Welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lenzi, and every week we bring you trending topics in the wine world. Hi, and welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We're your hosts, Kim and Mark. How are you this week, Mark? Everything's great, Kim. How are you? Very good. Thank you. So every week we like to talk to each other about what we might have uh, looked up on the internet when it comes to wine. So what things did you Google this week, Mark? Well, Kim, I was looking at costs of wine overseas in Europe, what they call low-quality wines in Europe and the average price of a 750 milliliter bottle over there. So you see stories about Aldi and the big trend over there is no one pays more than 10 bucks or five mm-hmm. bucks even. Very low. So I wondered what, what is the average cost of a bottle? So, so we're talking like retail, right? Retail price. Go into in a store. Con- in countries in Europe. So in Slovenia, Kim, a dollar nine cents for a 25 ounce 750 milliliter of wine. That is the retail Retail hmm. price for the least expensive. The what they call low quality. So yeah. I'm, I'm I'm not thinking you're getting the good stuff at a dollar nine Probably a bottle, not. And but then, something uh, that's drinkable and yeah, I mean, your everyday, everyday stuff, bottle, which yep. you know compared to um, I mean you've seen it in Italy. Now Italy was number three at a dollar sixty three for a bottle of wine. I'll buy that. It was the same way twenty five years ago. There, that's incredible. <laughs> that's incredible pricing. And Norway was like the highest at eighteen dollars and wow. two cents. So that's the lowest quality lowest price which that's more was high. much more expensive than here but italy dollar 63 yeah go italy what about you kim what did you google this week so i googled uh i'm i was curious as to how california wine regions were adapting to coronavirus outbreaks when it uh, came to their hospitality and travel and people making reservations and a lot of places seem to still be in kind of a wait and see sort of a phase so tourism definitely is down you know people are if not canceling their reservations definitely postponing them but they're saying that we probably won't really see the whole impact until a little bit later in the year so as people either rearrange their schedules for late spring early summer or cancel and rebook or cancel and don't book at all a lot of people are are worried about the tourism industry in california as it relates to winery visits and and especially events at wineries because a lot of what california wineries do as a large part of their business is private events and weddings and and things along those lines. So it's going to be having some big economic impact on our friends in the California wine industry. uh, And we'll have to see in the later quarters of the year how that plays out. So as you, our listeners, know, we like to talk about trending topics in the wine world. And at the end of the year, we tend to look back on the trends of the previous year. And so right now, we would like to look forward to what uh, some people in our industry are thinking are going to be the the big trends going forward in 2020. So we have uh, a number of different articles that we've gathered that we want to talk about today. All different trends, Kim, in mm-hmm. the wine. Some we've probably mentioned before, but I think there were some unique ones. So which story would you like to start with first. I'll let you pick. Okay. I think we should start with a story that was in Decanter magazine. This seemed to really run the gamut of not only a lot of things that we've spoken about before, but that had some uh, some new things that I hadn't hadn't really thought about. 
What surprised you? Surprised me uh, was that apparently there is a wine vending machine concept that you can get little bottles of Moet or other little bottles of champagne out of. And I started reading this little bit and I was like, oh, well, that can't possibly be in America because American, you know, American liquor laws would never let that happen. But no, it's true. Uh, Florida and New York in some upscale hotels have little wine vending machines. So instead of calling uh, room service to get yourself a bottle, of wine you just go to the lobby and plunk some money in your credit card into a uh, into a vending machine and get yourself a little bottle of champagne I think it's a great idea, but I, I don't see any difference between the little mini fridge in the hotel that they're charging <laughs> for, other than you, it's in the hallway. And all the ones I've seen have been high-end, like, champagne yes. and little mini bottles right. of champagne. Well, that's probably how they cover the cost of this <laughs> big machine. I'm curious, once you put the, the money in and it drops the, the bottle, is it, like, increasing the pressure, like, a thousand hmm. times? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm it sure it's bit? not the same kind of vending machine that you get, you know, your Doritos out of. It probably cradles it very nicely and delivers it to you. <laughs> in a, without shaking it up. The European idea. Did, on the same note, Kim, I saw, this wasn't one of the trends, but I saw there was a company that had a Prosecco ATM outside their bar somewhere in Europe. Did you see that? No, that's awesome. <laughs> and they got sued by the Italians because they called it a, a Prosecco ATM and, and a trademark Prosecco. And it wasn't, a, so it was It was not distributing Prosecco? It was, was, but they called it a Prosecco ATM. So the Italians said, you know, you can't say that. But it's just another technology like a vending machine. So I love the idea. It's a walk-up ATM yeah. that dispenses wine. But, so. You know, but this is sort of relating back to other trends that we've spoken about where consumers are really expecting this instant access to things. So we, we talk about this when we talk about about direct ship and when we talk about new ways that people are getting their consumable goods. So this seems to be another thing in that long line of what do you want and you want it now. And so you're just going to do it for yourself and go to the little wine vending machine and there's your wine. Yeah, I like the trend. Never happened right. around here due to laws. Maybe not in Massachusetts, Europe, but you know. Different. No, and this was this was in the US. Although interestingly, they said at the bottom of this article that this would not be allowed in France because they have such stringent alcohol laws in France. Interesting. So, yes, very interesting i I did know i actually did know that about france uh okay so what's another one from this article that you uh you want to stick with that decanter was also mentioned in which we talked about before to our listeners is prosecco is looking at making a rosé to kind of capture on the uh, trend in the rosé market and prosecco combine them both together to make another trend so it'll allow them to add 15 percent of the red grape pinot noir into the glera that they already put a minimum 85 percent into into the wine right. so and what this do you is, think of this trend i think this is a great trend um, i think it's hitting two very important hot trends trends styles of wine at the moment which is rosé and then bubbles and we've been following the rosé prosecco possibilities uh since last summer because that was when uh, the government you know finally said hey you know this could be a possibility they still have to give the final okay to it which i do not believe has come through yet not yet and it will only be the doc level, not the higher DOCG. So just the basic level. But you know, hey, I think that this is something that if it does go through, and honestly, I do hope that it goes through. I mean, I'm sure we'll end up with a lot of, you know, inexpensive, maybe not the most exciting or delicious of bubbles from here. But I think that this is something that... It'll be pink, though. It'll be pink, and it will be very popular. And hey, if it's another way to get people interested in wine who maybe never were before, and open that dialogue and start that conversation about wine, uh, I'm all for it. Good thing. 
What next, Kim, from Decanter? Any other Decanter? Uh, so some topics that we have covered before that that was mentioned in here about how wine, sort of more wine experimentations will start taking place as a response to climate change. You know, we've talked about new areas that are now producing wine. We've talked about the south of England. They mentioned other, other places that in the past have been too cold to grow grapes that now might start coming online as far as wine producing areas, um, new styles, perhaps a lot more sparkling wine, uh, and then new grape varieties. And we, I feel like we hear at least every month about these new grape varieties that are being developed to either uh, come Combat diseases or mold and funguses or too much water or not enough water or just in response to what we're seeing in the environment. So this is going to be something that we will continue to hear about. And I, I think it's fascinating that we're seeing all of these new and exciting places and great varieties. And two out of the four trending articles both mentioned uh, the Bloomberg and Decanta both mentioned climate as mm-hmm. their top trends to, yeah. to watch. I think for. that honestly is the number one thing that people are talking about. I know as I've traveled to wine regions, it's what is front of mind for everyone who grows grapes and makes wine. It's the number one thing that people wanted to talk about. And Decanta also mentioned tariffs will be uh, a trend in the in the 2020 year. And we already talked about tariffs, how the 25% is already in play and and the 100% for now has been voted down. So that is definitely something that will be a trend because it's going to impact pricing and availability. And Decanta mentioned a bunch about that. Mm-hmm. So that was a good thing for them uh, to mention, not right. for us. Though. Exactly. So another trending topic that we've spoken about uh, is this movement towards either lower alcohol products or no alcohol products, which seems to be getting people to be very creative, which I think is pretty wonderful. Um, there was another article that I was... I was reading um, that was talking about differences in generational drinking and that if younger people with the kind of things that they like to eat and like to drink are more primed towards things that are, you know, really sour, like if they like to drink kombucha, then they're more open to other newer styles of wines that maybe have a little bit lighter alcohol or a little bit fresher acidity. So I think we are going to see this trend continuing of interests in lower alcohol wine and that the idea of big, powerful 15% muscular reds from California might start seeing a little bit more of a, of a downward trend. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine. We're your hosts, Mark and Kim. We're exploring all things wine with you today. If you'd like to get more information about Kim, please visit her website at vinitaswineworks.com. If you'd like more information about myself, please go to franklinliquors.com. And you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. We post all our articles and podcasts, and you can ask us questions, please. So today we're talking about trends these different publications are seeing in the wine world that will happen in 2020 from Decanta, Bloomberg, and the next, Kim, I thought we would talk about wine tourism was mentioned to increase by Bloomberg, but now with the coronavirus, I would say this trend is going to drastically drop. Yeah. And it was on the rise, and we saw it was going to be hot this year, and now this. So Yeah, I actually thought it was interesting that both Bloomberg and Decanter mentioned this one. And when these articles were, were written two months ago, coronavirus really wasn't even on people's radar, and so 
when we think about travel and we think about these experiences of going to different wine regions and you know tasting wine and learning about wine and learning how to make wine, we, we see a little bit of a halt with travel <laughs> at the moment. So we don't know how the rest of the calendar year is going to play out when it comes to um, people's travel activities. So I think we're sort of in a holding pattern of wait and see if this trend will uh, pick up again after people deem it a little bit safer to travel around. The other thing was in Bloomberg, Kim, I thought was interesting was they were talking there'll be more less conventional wine shops. And just Mm -hmm. in the news last night was, I think it was a Wegmans locally that applied in their town for a on-premise beer and wine. You know how they have coffee shops in the supermarkets? They're adding beer and wine. So now, and we had talked about this in the past, you can go up and pick a glass of wine and go do your shopping. Yes, we had talked about that. while you're while you're shopping because they sell they sell uh, beer and wine and they have a, a concession stand I guess you call it within the oh, yeah they have the, the whole all them like like a big dining area market so I think we'll see more of that and they were saying like wine shops that have wine bars or robot assistance within the the wine mm-hmm. shops like you're seeing that in stop and shop now with their robot um, and online sales and apps more con- non you know traditional not traditional I'm gonna say modern technology yeah. in older shops or older retail so new ideas yeah we're definitely and we've seen in Massachusetts over the last few years that the retail landscape is changing and you are you know right in the thick of it because that's what you do with your store but we we definitely have seen in the last few years that there you know there are major changes to to retail wine and retail beverage here in Massachusetts so in order order to stay around, you need to differentiate yourself. And yeah, as these articles mentioned, that is only going to continue. And speaking of retail, Kim, that's a good segue into the next trend that Bloomberg said will happen this year is the hard seltzer market will take away from wine, which we're already seeing. And they're kind of suggesting that the wine industry should get more into the seltzer, wine seltzer business, hmm. which Barefoot has already kind of played around with having seltzers like, you know, Pinot Grigio. Seltzer. Can we just go back to wine coolers? Like- yeah. Well, I think, it, and I think what the bad thing about this trend is everybody now is calling anything they make a seltzer. Yeah. So if it's vodka based, it's a seltzer. If it's wine based, it's a seltzer. If it's sugar based, it's, there's only one, to me, there was only one seltzer was when they came out with the sugar based seltzer water that was just fermented alcohol and some mm-hmm. sort of flavoring. But now when you put vodka in a can and calling it a seltzer to compete with the other, you know what I mean? It's, it's more all, like a cocktail. Yeah. than it is a yeah. seltzer. So everybody's kind of hitting this seltzer term, but they're all different things because they're all mm-hmm. different bases. They're all different. Some are 9%, some are 4%. Well, does anybody regulate the term seltzer? I believe no. I, there no. you go. Then that's... It should <laughs> there be. We go. It should be. So marketing. It's all marketing. We haven't, so that, ta- we haven't talked about marketing in a long time, have we? No. I don't, was there any trends? Well, there was some trends in the um, the first blog post about marketing, well, social justice, they were saying with mm-hmm. the wine industry, which is I think is a marketing thing because they're saying women and minorities will be more involved in the 2020 year. And women have been more involved in, in the wine industry for, for years now. Yeah, but it's so great but that it's we're- it's not marketed right man. No, well- I guess you. I guess that could be taken as a marketing a marketing thing. I think it it goes hand in hand with environmental concerns that consumers have. You know, they they want to make sure that they're being responsible consumers. And maybe the difference for some people between one bottle and another is okay. How are the workers treated? Or you know, how environmentally responsible is this winery? Do they recycle? Do they use solar? Um, and those things, yes, can be viewed as marketing. But then I think on the other hand, is really something that because 
because it's so important to some consumers that it really just plays into the whole idea of the personality of the winery. Yeah, and they were saying in the in the article that it should be more focused on social justice. And my, my thing is just there should be more focus on the people who are doing a great job with wine, mm-hmm. if that makes any Well, I, I think that, you know, it's taking the environmental idea one step further. So then, then you're looking at the, the people who are working at the winery. Are people being paid in a way that is um, making it able for them to have a good lifestyle? Are they not being abused? Are they, you know, making sure that they have benefits? So it's like, okay, we're, we're doing the right thing for the environment, and then we should also be doing the right thing for our people as well. And you mentioned environment, Kim. Of all these articles related to trends for the year, I didn't see anything specifically to sustainable or organic. There was a mention in a few of them about natural wines, mm-hmm. but nothing cons- concerned about sustainable or vine directly. It's more like natural wines will be the hot thing. Yeah, I think there was a little bit of a mention um, in the, there was an article from Huffington Post that was part of this group of articles all about trends in 2020. And they did mention that the idea of being environmentally conscious yes, was, you're right, um, you're right. I, you know, was was important and will be talked about a lot more this yeah, coming year. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it was, I, now I remember because it said it was focusing on people are going to be more concerned where it's grown, matching things with where it's grown mm-hmm. and, and with the foods and the right. wines. Right, because this yes. article wasn't just drink trends, it was also food trends. So it was um, a lot more focused on food than it was on drink, but th- that was the part where the two of them really came together. Yeah, there was a lot of foods in that Yeah, article. and I thought that was interesting because we don't usually get to read sort of the food focused things so it was it was nice to get the perspective of that too and they talked a lot about you know snacks and fresh foods and like you said you know where things come from um, and it all really ties together yeah they were talking about plant-based foods fresh snacks healthier snacks yep. um, and this but was where the wine so that's why this was on the back page right <laughs> right um, but this also there was a little bit in here about tying to that low alcohol no alcohol movement and new products that are being developed that that work along those lines so they were talking about like iced teas that that were made with hops so that they were sort of reminiscent of beer but didn't have any alcohol and they were also talking about kombuchas and things like that which if you like a little bit of an acidic hit kombucha is um, a real fun non-alcoholic drink can be a little take a little getting used to as far as the sourness but I feel like those things kind of go hand in hand uh, with this topic that we've been uh, touching on quite a bit yeah a lot of food articles in it and I you know I, I started out saying there was nothing about this but then I when I turned over my notes came <laughs> the reason I put on the back of my notes because I wrote first the Huffington Post, not wine. So I, I kind of put that on my back burner. <laughs> but I'm glad you being the foodie. Uh, I still it. think it all ties together. Yeah. Especially when you think about dining too. You know, if people, if there's only so much that people can consume, they need to make choices. And so if their choices are to choose something other than wine, then that does impact wine. So I think it does make sense for us to talk about it. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lenzi and Kim Simone. You can find more information about Mark at franklinliquors.com and more information about myself at vinitaswineworks.com. So I wanted to touch back on the piece in the Fermentation Wine blog uh, by a writer called Tom, Tom Wark, who has been writing his blog forever, it sounds like. Uh, and a couple of the topics that he mentioned in his were a little different than these other ones that we've been talking about. So he is a, is a big one to always be talking about 
about the distribution system of wine in the United States and how the the three-tiered system is antiquated and doesn't work well anymore and how changing ways of getting wine from point A to point B uh, really are shaping the new wine purchasing landscape in the country. So he was saying that uh, because we've been seeing a lot of upheaval over the last couple of years in wines that can be directly shipped to consumers from wineries and we're going to be seeing more laws as they relate to direct shipping that hopefully those sorts of things will actually start to calm down in 2020 that there's been a lot going on in 2019 with those sorts of topics but that going forward uh, hopefully things are now stabilizing a little bit yeah and you mentioned Kim it calmed down it, it peaked two years it had really increased increased yeah and then it kind of peaked and then the laws had changed in favor of more direct shipping but now it's kind of leveled out mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that is the retailers are a little afraid to challenge the new changes that's that's kind of my perception of it and maybe people now are realizing it's out there so I don't know why it's not increased more from the change you know what mm-hmm. I mean why people it's been in the news so much that these laws are changing, but it still hasn't increased more than it did the first two years. So you're saying that all of these new laws are now on the books so people can get wine shipped to them, but they're it's, just but they're just not? Yeah, the, the federal government has actually made it easier and, and said it's, it's illegal to restrict it, but it doesn't seem like people have jumped on it because I think a lot of, like, for instance, the Massachusetts retailers now can ship out of Massachusetts if they want. Like, if I want to ship your relative a, a bottle in Connecticut or whatever... I can. Okay. But no one has really tested it yet. Yeah. Maybe it's just that it's still so new. Yeah. Because this is this is literally only a few months old. So So on a federal level. I assume he was saying it will slow he was saying it'll slowly beat the other channels. Yeah. So I would say we'll know by the end of this year if it it, I would say it has to at least double from last year Mm -hmm. with the change. If it doesn't, it's good news for me as a retail that people still shopping stores but i would say for the other markets where that's what they're focused on is shipping yeah it would should be concerning if it's not doubled at least so do you think that a year is enough time for us to know if this is something that is actually going to turn into reality i do because the people like this gentleman he's always fighting saying we need this we need this Mm -hmm. it's unfair it's unfair so why aren't people jumping on it right away i would think people who have been waiting for this will do all the shopping right away because they've been waiting for so long i think it's still very confusing that people don't necessarily know what they are allowed to do and not do. Consumers, I mean. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's new, but we'll see. I yeah. think by the end of the year, yeah, we we'll look at it again. Yeah, fascinating. It was interesting, too. He also mentioned about media consolidation, mm-hmm. specifically saying how the magazines, the wine publications will either merge or just go away. And I know we had touched base on this ourselves, Kim, about how much we buy publications. Do you buy any Wine Spectator? Wine Not anymore. anymore. No, I used to, but I don't anymore. See, because most of the stuff we get online now. Yeah. And I only get publications from the trade that are free. I qualify free for. I don't go and buy any of them anymore. Yeah, I definitely feel like this is really true that there is... There's almost less relevance, I think, of wine publications now. You know, people are less interested in what Wine Spectator has to say. Um, Once Parker left the scene, Wine Advocate didn't really have the, the punch anymore. There are still critics out there and still writers out there who 
are making their points, but I don't think that it is in print publication. I think the people that are now the most relevant are, it's all happening electronically. It's happening on people's blogs. It's happening on social media. It's not necessarily happening in a magazine format. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And, and a lot of times I notice when I go, I'm a huge Barnes & Noble bookstore mm. guy. I notice that the amount of selections for wine is less and less every time I go. And scores really aren't as important anymore as they used to be. I mean, do you see people still coming in asking for, you know, 95 point wines or or something related to scores? No, I, I think it's everybody's kind of pushing away from that, mm-hmm. uh, I think which so I too. think is good. And, and it might have something to do also with the publications. They're not picking up those magazines yep. to find the ratings of a, of a wine. Yeah. Anymore. So like I said, you know, kind of less, they're less relevant now. So if the publications are less relevant, is it because the scoring system is no longer, you know, at top of people's minds or vice versa? So I, I think that that is something that has been going on uh, for a little while now, but that it is another thing that we'll be keeping our eyes on. So Kim, we talked about all these trends that were in all these blogs and decanter, etc. What do you personally want to see from the wine world trending a little bit more? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. That's my job. Um, I really like this following new wine regions. I am, am hoping that the trend towards lighter, fresher, slightly lower alcohol wines does come to come to pass because I find that those wines go better with food. They're what I like a little bit more uh, and always have. So I've never really been one to go in for big oaky California Cabernets. But I think it'll be interesting as we see these newer wine regions opening up. And I hope that people can keep an open mind about newer styles and newer places and newer grape varieties. I really do. So I think what I'm hoping is open-mindedness from consumers. So we'll say that that's for me. For me. Yeah. And what about yourself? I, I agree with that as far as hoping that the wine consumers see what's happening really in the wine world as far as we always talk about the 90% versus the 10% where all these big corporations are making all this wine and pretty soon the, the government's going to approve the merger of two of them. Two of the top five, the top gallo is going to buy most of Constellation's portfolio. So of that 90% you see on the shelves, 50% is going to be one company. Oof. So I'm hoping the consumers this year will notice that there's a monopoly kind of going on and there's other things like you said, Discover other things in other brands. Don't don't try to stick to the same brand all the time. Explore. And don't be afraid. Yeah. Don't explore. be afraid of new wines. I know trying new things can be really scary, even if it's just a new food or a new glass of wine. But try stuff. You know, there's so much out there and it's exciting. And yeah, it's a little scary and it's a little intimidating because you're afraid you're not going to like it. But just try because you will find something exciting and fun and a new favorite. Yeah. And Kim and I say it all the time. Take Taste, taste, taste. There's so much out there. And we're hoping that when you listen to us and we're, we're talking about all these things in the wine world, it gives you some uh, ideas of things that are out there that you can try. We hope you get excited. Yeah. And drink some wine with us. We'll, we'll explore with you. And That's right. Taste. That's the key. And That's I, the key. I, well, about all the trends, I think everybody's kind of on the same page all the time, Kim. What's what's happened? We've always heard the rosé thing, right? Rosé's not going away. Rosé's yeah. sticking around. Rosé's, and it, now's the time. It's it's the time of year where they're starting to hit the shelves. The 2019s are, are on the shelves right now. So explore a rosé. That's a, a great way to start in this season, right? That's right.
Thank you for joining us today. We've been your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on our Facebook page at The Wonderful World of Wine. We're always looking for feedback, comments, and questions. And you can also find us on our Twitter account at, at Wine Education. And all our past shows are now on SoundCloud or iTunes. Cheers. Cheers.